0: you know and love your boy BC back on the controls. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. It is Pro Wrestling Edition 2019 year end in review award season upon us. So your boy BC had to break his own kayfabe and come out of a much needed hibernation and extended stay America vacation away from all things Raw and Smackdown. Had to drop back in on my own pod to give you what you want and you deserve after a wild year in the genre of pro wrestling. No, it's not called sports entertainment, but this year was wild and insane. We're going to break down the year that was handout awards and teaser off the top. Stay buckled in because at the end of the show, we're not only going to give out the award for the 2019 CBS Sports Pro Wrestler of the Year, the winner is going to drop by to accept it. You're not going to want to miss this. Wow, wow! All right, maybe it's Tony Khan. Maybe no, no, he's another, uh, no, he's person of the year in pro wrestling. No, no, just kidding, just kidding. I don't want to don't want to make everybody so mad so early off the top. Uh You know, it is the holiday season though, so please, happy holidays out to all of you. Whatever you're celebrating this year, this month, do it with your family. Put a smile on your face. Watch some wrestling that makes you happy. Enjoy yourself. Thank you for being a part of this journey on the SOC. Heck, you want to give back to us, please head on over to Apple Podcast Spotify. Hit us up with that five-star review. Hey, you want to go on there and tell I can't take BC anymore? Come and tell us. Come and tell me. Come and tell me to my face at B. Campbell CBS. But I had to drop in with my cohorts to get this done, to do the business one more time. Because this year had a lot of what I loved. So let me, surprisingly, surprisingly maybe to some people, but this was one hell of a year. So let me bring in one of my co-hosts right here, right now.
1: Say hello to the bad guy.
0: This is a man who never saw a hedge he wouldn't deny. He's a passionate protector of all things
2: WWE. He's
0: a homeowner, <laughs> folks. He'll block you.
2: It's Adam Silverstein, the Silver King. Hey now, co-host of the State of Combat with Brian Campbell podcast, but host of the Samson Awards. I don't know if we're still calling them those, but host of the award show every year let's not forget yeah, that
0: let's 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 talk to samson this year let's do that thing i love that mm-hmm. i absolutely love that silver king you and i back together again you, you you can't make me watch wwe though you can't make me do it all right you don't have to i, I you gotta don't have sober to. up i gotta dry out all right maybe hey what you should do is text me if they make roman Reigns, seth rollins as a uh, wrestlemania main event i'll come out of hiding for that all right
2: i think there's other good things uh that could get you out of hiding i mean look Things are still rolling well, even though last week was, uh, I think, a bit of a downer for Raw compared to what Jack and I have been going ape about over the
0: last few weeks. Well, speaking of Jack, there is a third man on today's show. Is he the third man? He's the third man! What the hell is going on here? He's Northeast Pennsylvania's finest, a yingling enthusiast. He's Outback Jack Crosby. Brother, what should I be calling you these days? I was told there's a better nickname than that. Oh, blackjack!
2: Blackjack! Remember We're, yes. we're
3: gonna we're, we're gonna associate me with Barry Windham's daddy.
0: Okay.
2: I'm so gonna we catch. also we also got a tweet though with action jack. So the nicknames have multiplied. I think we're at four. I don't know which one's the best. I don't think Outback's the best though. I think there's three other legitimate options.
0: Hey, I'll, any anything that can get me closer to being the Barry Wyndham of a four horseman then that's that's where I want to be at right there.
3: For next year's wrestling awards, we will we will. We will put different names in for me and have the fans vote on that.
2: I like that. Hey, speaking at of the, the fans, of, at, the well, of, well,
3: at the end of at the end of twenty twenty,
2: let's not forget you just went through a gimmick change end of twenty eighteen. So you're, this is basically your second gimmick change in as many Look, years, Look, man. My creative process is all screwed up. Okay, I never said it was perfect.
0: He's all like right? he's like the damn barber in the nineties in do. WCW, Brutus <laughs> you B- The Zodiac one week. You're uh, yeah,
2: all right. The butcher, <laughs> the Zodiac. He's the dark order. We don't know exactly what's happening, and we're gonna keep trying to refresh it until yes. it works.
0: Yes, you're love the You're it. the
2: butcher, I'm the
0: uh what's the what's AEW calling that team? I don't know. I saw the Blade bunny. and the bunny. Blade. Yes, there it I'll is. I'll be the
2: bunny. It's okay. I'll be the bunny. There it is.
0: All right, all right, there it is. Uh, guys, we're gonna have fun today. We're gonna have fun. No one's gonna turn the show off angry, no one's gonna yell at each other. We might debate a few things. But pro wrestling in the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, as the great Nick Costos would say uh, They did the business this year. The genre expanded. Things happened. There's a lot to talk about, About a lot to love, a lot of awards to give out. Spoiler alert. Adam and I, ahead of WrestleMania 35, did name the uh State of Combat Mount Rushmore team. Those brothers have gotten in my DMs to provide winners to their own awards that we can hear quickly at the end of the show as well. Shout out to Tristan Adelano. He's like, look. Uh, our DM chain, we voted as well. We want the people to know those people are the pillars that hold up this show and provide the listenership. So shout out to Tristan on that one.
2: I want to thank you for shutting the F up and letting me talk for a minute. And yes, before yes, I go, at the, yes,
0: at the end of the show, you'll have your, you'll have your minute there. Um,
2: G- uh, Jack
0: Adam, um, this is probably the most eventful modern wrestling year of my fandom. Now, I want to say that was 2017 because Japan just gave me a new layer and level and reason to love wrestling. But so much has happened in two years. Absurdly amounts of things have happened in the last two years that if you said, what's the biggest headline of this year? What's the biggest story? What's the one thing? Something I I did on the year-end State of Combat Boxing and MMA shows that you can check out this week. What's the What's the picture? What's the one thing? That says wrestling in 2019. What is that to you guys?
2: Uh, you know, it's probably double or nothing. I think the announcement of it, not so much the announcement of AEW or all the little press conferences they had or the smaller events or even really the start of Dynamite. I think the double or nothing show was for this year what kind of all in obviously was for last year. I went back and listened to our 2018 awards. I wanted to make sure we had all the correct production elements for today And I didn't listen to the entire show, but I listened to our intro. And there's two things we said. One was we really felt 2018 was a stage setter type of year. It was setting the stage for 2019. Just as kind of 2017, like you said, we got into NJPW. 2018 kind of said, hey, what's going to happen in 2019 is really interesting. And to the same level, I think Double or Nothing set the stage for AEW, this first real competition that WWE's had from an organization that can actually push it in some way. Maybe we overstated how much AEW was going to push WWE proper at the onset, especially if you look at the last couple of weeks. But I think Double or Nothing was kind of the opening salvo with Jon Moxley coming out at the end of the show to say, you know what? Something's happening in pro wrestling. Uh, Like it or not, we're going to take you for this ride.
3: Yeah, I think the I think. Brian, you might prove me wrong here, but I think the consensus in some form, like what <clears throat> what's the picture in our heads of pro wrestling in 2019, is AEW-related. It, it has to be. Now, to Adam's point, double or nothing, yeah, I get that. But for me, it was Wednesday, October 2nd, when I turned on the TV at 8 p.m. Eastern time, and I tuned to TNT, and there was pro wrestling on my TV. If, if I that, felt it. I felt it in my loins. Yeah. Like, when there was pro wrestling on TNT, that was that was kind of the moment where I was like, wow. Cause I think I said it on the show this year. Um, like double or nothing, fighter fest, those things. Like they were cool and that was like, okay, AW's a real thing, but I I kept saying I'm not gonna feel it until they're on television every week. And when I tuned to TNT on October second, that's when it hit me. It was like, wow, this is a real thing.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked in Adam, you made a good point. What, what Japan started in 2017 was the idea that something outside of WWE proper could be as good or better and the hope of potential competition. Now, regardless of what, what you thought AEW accomplished or didn't, I think that is this year's defining value. Competition. It was AEW arriving on the scene and the whole buildup from Double or Nothing, and then the months we had to wait for the first episode. But it was WWE's counter programming, not just Fox going national. Or I'm sorry, SmackDown going national on Fox, but pulling NXT away from the network and making it a legitimate third brand. And it was almost like a third rival promotion was is coming up. Because in my mind of minds, even though they combine at Survivor Series, it's still almost as if NXT operates in its own universe, its own booking style. I mean, it really sort of is. It's almost as if you have WWE proper, you have NXT, you have AEW, and then sometimes, two, three times a year, we get Japan. And I think the fact that that mixed with the technology advancements that you can watch anybody at your fingertips, I mean, good God, as we said, Impact Wrestling has a two-hour show on regular TV now that even I can access. It's just like, damn, This is what we waited for. It came. It's been hit or miss, but it's there's no shortage of excitement right now.
2: On the other end of that, I think there's swings – not swings and misses necessarily, but things we thought would be a huge deal that didn't come to pass. WWE on Fox, it's a big deal. I watch the NFL on Sunday. I'm a huge NFL fan, right? I see the ads. They're promoting it heavily. Great. It's still doing below a 3.0 share, and – It doesn't feel like a big deal because the product, since it's been on Fox, has been as stale as Raw was back when it was the A show this year. Similarly, NJPW coming out of 2018 BC, we were just amped as all amped could be for Wrestle Kingdom 13 and for the G1. And the G1 was great. But not having those North Americans, let's say, obviously, because Kenny is from Canada, not having the same group of people in the G1. It felt different. NJPW didn't feel like it was hitting the apex that we expected it to in 2019. And it really feels like it hit that in 2018. And AEW kind of took over some of that intrigue, some of the curiosity, some of the time that we had to watch professional wrestling. And because of that, my, my interest at least in speaking personally, and I think I can probably say the same for you, Interest in NJPW, which I think we all can agree is maybe the most superior brand in terms of in-ring action, has significantly waned as we enter 2020, and Wrestle Kingdom 14's coming up, and it's just like, great, I'm going to watch I know it's going to be great, but... I don't really care. That was a weird casualty
0: of the AEW launch. That NJPW took that backseat. Like, it's crazy to me. I had a debate with myself. I was like, wait, did the NJPW G1 Supercard at MSG over WrestleMania weekend? Did that happen this year or last year? The (laughs) fact that it actually happened this year. And by the way, it was a success. It was the last stand of ROH mattering. And it was, for the most part, a giant success. And we were there, and it felt amazing. And yet... Because of the AEW launch that followed, it's as if it never happened. Yes, NJPW took a backseat. Yes, there's this is probably not the best representation of the revolution that I called for years ago. Yet at the same time, AEW has mattered, and you have to take notice. And the fallout of Wednesday nights becoming oh-so-special now, again, it's not what I wanted. What did I want? I wanted NJPW and AEW kind of come together and compete against real WWE, yet – you could not ask for, with my own complaints notwithstanding to WWE, you could not ask for a more vibrant time to pick and choose what you want to watch, when you want to watch it. And this Wednesday Night Wars, that's the real MVP of 2019.
3: Yeah, without question. Um, and it's sad that New Japan took a step back. I mean, that, you're right. Like As far as from an in-ring standpoint, they're still the best. They're still the best. If you just want to sit down and watch – Pure wrestling action, hot fire, start to finish. You're going to turn to New Japan. Like that's your best option. Find one of their events and watch it. But yeah, the not, cause we all assumed that there was a good chance that they would link up. But then we start hearing these stories about they're really pissed off at Kenny Omega and there's never going to be a relationship. And you know, so that ended up hurting them in the end. And then there's still, and I, it's not, it's still not a good look to be linked up with Ring of Honor, especially with the way they're tanking at this point
2: it's not a great look and and as we've mentioned before the impact that being the elite and the elite themselves the bullet club whatever had on american interest in njpw cannot be understated or cannot be overstated i should say that them not having that outlet drastically affects how we view that product and by the way we're giving tons of credit to AEW. we're giving tons of credit to new japan because the product is really good but you can argue that we didn't do an award for brand of the year right but if we were going to at least for me you guys know where i stand it's probably NXT when you consider the mixture of incredible storylines long term storytelling of course in ring action which i will go you know to full bat and say is the best in north america not even you know questioning that uh, or not even accepting an argument on that at least um and then the fact that it's all happening Under this WWE umbrella where, yes, WWE did have its moments from January through WrestleMania. I think we can all agree whether you loved Royal Rumble, you didn't. Whether you loved WrestleMania from start to finish or didn't, important things happened. First women's main event of WrestleMania. That's a huge moment. That happened this year. Like, we're forgetting that mania happened. Kofi Kingston winning the title happened this year. The craziness of Ronda Rousey and her run happened this year, the second half of it. And yet... It's kind of taking a backseat in storyline to the existence of AEW and in ring, the dominance, in my personal opinion, of NXT. Yeah, NXT's
0: got to be brand of the year from from that regard because – and I think the the key to that, Jack, sorry to cut you off, is that – No, 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 you're – NXT going to TV, which was a major move. And if you look at the full timeline, let's not forget – Trips took a chance putting them at the halftime of the Super Bowl to give them a showcase opportunity.
2: That's right. And then right. you
0: then you go all the way through. They have a banner year with the trilogy of of uh, Cole and Gargano. The the takeovers hit on a level very similar to that last year, 2018, when they were through the roof. And then they get the full elevation to third brand status, and then they get the right place right time scenario of the crown jewel delay of the flight where they go to smackdown and they're welcomed and treated like even better than a smackdown show leading through the push at survivor series which really was the the ultimate rub they ever could have hoped to get it's NXT's year because they didn't have to compromise who they are to get to that level even though we could have some minor complaints and I did about some of that presentation you go back and watch NXT; it's still NXT, and that's a major victory. You, the real MVP. I guess what I'm saying is Paul Levesque, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. You, the real MVP in pro wrestling in 2019.
3: You know, it's, it's not. It, it, it wouldn't win, but I mean, you know, when we talk moment of the year within the top ten, has to be the NXT crew saving SmackDown, the the new baby, the billion dollar baby. They came in, you know, still known as minor leaguers to some people. And what the hell even is that? They're just on the net. They, they come in, and they save that Friday night show in a pinch when they were police escorted to the building. They run in and own the joint for one night. Like, that was, that was that's one of the top ten moments of the year, at the very least.
2: No, I mean, it definitely you just, is. Let me ask and you I
0: think both real quick. If they don't own that night to the level that they did, do they get booked as the, with the strength that they did leading into and on the night of Survivor Series?
3: Probably because they did. They were they're still put on u They're still put on the USA network, which made them a priority within the company. So probably, but I could see where you'd ask that though.
2: I and they see. did. And they did promote NXT as being on Survivor Series during Blood Money in the Sand. So that was the plan. It's not like that was a reaction to that moment. And if you're gonna put them on Survivor Series, you have to think they go over. But As an opening salvo for NXT, you know, invading one of the brands, you couldn't have asked for a better scenario because due to the travel issues and, and Paul kind of getting the green light to kind of steer the ship that night, it wasn't overbooked. It was very simple and fans really got what they wanted. Let's not forget Adam Cole. What did he, he fought Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan in, in a span of four nights. That's insane. Like that happened. In 2020, and that happened in November or October, November. So I think, you know, NXT um, and with AEW here as well, when we get to 2020 and our award show one year from today, we're going to probably have some new categories, TV episode of the year, brand of the year, things like that. It's going to be really interesting where this year we really only had two and a half months to see what a landscape looks like with four major shows. And that's not even counting – NWA Power, which obviously has that nostalgia feel, Impact is still going on, ROH exists, I don't think any of us actually really care about that, um, and, and some of the other things that are going on in the wrestling world. It's a really exciting time, and for as great and as crazy, really crazy as 2019 was, I'm just so curious to see what's going to happen in 2020.
0: Absolutely. I'm so curious to hear our awards in a second, but we threw out some awards that were unofficial. Promotion of the year, we said NXT. I really mean it. MVP of the year might be Trips, not just for keeping Vince's paws off of the product, not just for saving that bad situation coming out of Saudi, like you said, but elevating NXT to that third brand status and putting forth some regular TV episodes that were on par with pay-per-views and like... That's the byproduct you would want from a war, right? And and, and this is no disrespect to AEW. They've played their part very well in 2019. We were so nervous over that summer when they weren't really doing much or hitting us hard. When they rolled out TV, it's fun. You got to see it. It it is what it is whether you love it or you like it, but it doesn't suck. It's there. They're competing, and yet Paul Levesque has countered back and outswung consistently and to the point of actually winning the ratings on top of it. So Paul Levesque might actually be your MVP in, in pro wrestling top to bottom, even above a, a Cody or a Tony Khan or, or whoever you want to give it to in terms of the power and the control and the decision-making and all that. He had a wonderful year, and the um, award of the year for BC might go to uh, Camille from NWA. So thank, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for Oh uh, No, uh,
2: can, you, can you hit that sound again? That award Those two Black leather pants, which oh, started heel, with Yoshi Shirai. Started with EO Shirai, <laughs> made their way to Kyrie, Sane. Bailey's picked them up. I don't know what's going on with oh, Black Bailey's, Leather pants. I don't in watch WWE, WWE anymore. Bailey's wearing those pants? a couple weeks ago yeah oh, it's, it's some crazy stuff happening. Yeah. Right?
0: oh boy okay yep that that sure that sure doesn't suck hey, Mysterio
1: not suck it off
0: anybody nobody he will not suck <laughs> off anybody okay just so you know uh what a year what a time to be alive shout out to Camille by the way for doing doing the work at NWA even though I stopped watching um hey we're gonna start off with these awards your your, your favorite host of the Oscars of the of the Samsons here the SK is gonna take control of this ship but not until we pause for the cause and hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. And we're back. BC, SK, Outback, Blackjack, the gentleman, Jack Crosby. It's 2019, year in review. Award season is upon us. So let me present to you your host, the Silver King himself.
1: Silver King, come on down.
0: Adam Silverballs, take over.
2: Hey now, welcome in to the 2019 Samson Awards where BC, the Silver King, Outback Black, awesome Gentleman Jack, Uh, uh. and, and Brent Brookhouse over on our CBS Sports editorial team voted for the best of the best in the world of professional wrestling. Now, we have cut down the awards from years past. We are focusing on the world of pro wrestling in general. We have 12 primary awards that we're going to get to today, and it's going to start with the pay-per-view of the year. Our three finalists: AEW Double or Nothing, NXT Takeover New York, and NJPW Wrestle Kingdom 13. And the winner is NJPW Wrestle Kingdom 13, this pay-per-view was voted first place by the Brian Campbell. So, BC, tell us why this, the first pay-per-view of the year, was the best pay-per-view of the year. Uh, I had to go back and make sure
0: my memories are right on this, and I did before voting. And while this wasn't the NJPW year of 17 or 18, by damn, when NJPW hits the high notes, they still hit a freaking home run almost every single time. And why was this sort of lamentingly awesome? It was pretty strong top to bottom the whole way through without a lot of holes, without a lot of unneeded six-man tags like we've seen them litter excessively. But it's the last time we saw real Kenny Omega. We saw him, a, you know, a bit against John Moxley in AEW, but we haven't seen the real Kenny Omega, the best wrestler in the world. We saw him in this 40-minute main event against Hiroshi Tanahashi that sent the people home happily. This is a dream matchup. This is that anchor on the show that you need. And you go back and you realize that closed the show after Naito Jericho for the title, after Zack Saber Ishi, after Osprey Abushi, after Juice and Cody. Some good tag matches. Look, there it's helped by the fact that I thought this was a a a down if not bad year for WWE proper overall, which is normally a player in this category and I think NJP I mean NXT Takeover could fill out votes 2 through 7 in terms of best cards of the year. I just think nobody plays the higher note better than New Japan when they get that chance and they did it once again. It just happens to be that this card was a year ago. So it's tough to exactly remember where you were and what you saw. But when you go back and revisit it, man, this is the drugs I want. This is the drugs I need. This is the drugs I wish was leading the revolution.
2: I think it's fair. For me, the issue with it, it was not that the action wasn't great. We knew AEW was starting. And because of that, the results were overly predictable. You know, Omega losing the title. Jericho losing the title. Cody losing the title, right, all to you know juice uh, respectively tanahashi naito and juice and that 's not to say the matches weren 't exceedingly good. Cody was still hurt at the time, so he his was not good against juice i didn 't like that at all, but those matches, and then the Okada white match, those were the headliners, and it all kind of felt like you knew what was going to happen, and that is why for me, uh, and I, I can speak for Jack as well, he voted the same way uh, we voted for NXt take over New York in first place now Wrestle Kingdom won uh but you have the Gargano Cole two out of three falls match the Bianca uh sorry not the Bianca the Shayna Baszler fatal four-way match Walter and Pete Dunne was ridiculous Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle and you can keep going down the card I also think and I'll let Jack kind of weigh in after this I think WWE deserve some honorable mentions because obviously take over 25 and there's like you said every takeover could probably be on there legitimately but if legitimately you, every takeover could be like two through seven on this list it's not even funny they they really could but i think three of wwe's four main pay-per-views deserve some credit royal rumble had a very damn good card and looking back on it yeah we were disappointed by brian and styles but the becky lynch storyline was awesome we got uh, Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor, that was great. WrestleMania was WrestleMania. You had your moments. You had the Kofi Kingston moment, some other stuff that happened, and then Survivor Series, a really late contender in the year, came through with you know everything except a signature moment, and that's why it didn't get any of my votes. Now, the Survivor that's kind Series of, that's where I stack
0: closed amazingly, but I think this year more than ever, WWE proper suffered from the shows being gluttonously too long. And no, yeah. no, no other yeah. example would compare to WrestleMania 35. And we we went on and on about that after that show about how you know you pick five or six out of that, or seven or eight matches out of that, you have an amazing WrestleMania. They almost watered down and ruined their own product consistently. That that's an issue. But uh, look, NXT Takeover New York, we were there. It was great. I actually like 25, a little bit better. But NXT Takeover so consistent across the board. Good God! I mean, they
3: in Paul we trust. It's funny because you want to put WrestleMania on this list, and you think WrestleMania should be on this list. Then you remember stuff like Carmella and r truth coming out to dance at midnight when you're waiting for the damn main event, and you're like, "Okay, but
2: okay, but you also got John Cena Thugonomics." Like, well, that was just just downright awesome. Yeah, that was like that
3: was just downright. Oh, I I think I forgot to vote for that for something. Son of, damn it. Yeah. Anyway, well, we, we,
2: we have a I have I have a, I have a special category that we didn't vote for that we can yeah. talk about at the
3: this, end. This this vote for me was probably out of everything we did the closest between Takeover New York and Wrestle Kingdom. Um again, Wrestle Kingdom kind of like the WrestleMania, like it's great action but sometimes it's a bit too long for me. And I I take that into account anymore because because we have so much wrestling to consume now throughout the year on a almost daily basis now. That, that, it irks me even more when these pay per views are long now, because it's like, all right, like, cut them down now. You don't have to do this. WrestleMania doesn't have to be eight hours long. Um, but TakeOver New York, start to, like you said, start to finish, just great. Gargano Cole, Brittle Dream, just a fantastic show, and it just barely won out over New Japan for me.
1: We can't close this
0: conversation, though, without, uh, you know, who I voted for for number two. You want to talk about the best card emotionally of the year? It's, it's AEW double or nothing. And this was their opening statement in a lot of ways as a promotion. I thought it was the best, second best card of the year. I think the match lineup holds up. I think it escalated properly from start to finish. It started at a certain level. It got better, better, better. Then I got, oh, my God, it's really good. Then it stayed, oh, my God, it's really good. And then they kicked you in the face with one of the best moments of 2019 with Mox making his debut. So when you add that up and you add the quality of that Cody-Dustin match on your feels and you add everything that happened – that's right in that mix for number one or two in my mind. You guys may have voted it down a little bit. It's a different kind of card compared to a takeover, but I put that high up in the mix. And I do throw a vote. It didn't make my top three, but I throw a vote at G1 Supercard. It was ambitious. The setting was amazing, and NJPW and ROH came together, and they came really close to, to to it being like amazing. It was, you know what I mean? It was, it was too long, a little too much Ring of Honor, but it was jam packed.
2: We can't mention Double or Nothing without me giving my normal take, which is – it was not – we we did our top three. It was not in my top three despite me lauding it and praising it earlier to open the show here. It was half a show. The first half was nothing I cared about whatsoever. The second half was hot. I don't think that second half made up for the first half to put it over NXT TakeOver New York. like I'm okay you voted for it, BC, but to not even vote for TakeOver in New York – and have that on there; it's just mind blowing. It was my fourth. So. It was my Takeover New York was my number four. And I'll and look, I know that's
0: controversial, but I'll I'll stand up for it. I thought twenty five was a little bit better. We had bad th- seats for Takeover New York. It did affect my viewership on there. But Adam, you you voted Royal Rumble ahead of Russell
2: Kingdom thirteen.
0: You gotta we gotta we gotta. I did. I voted a that. third. Correct. That is correct. That's that's sacrilege.
2: That's uh that's and correct. in retrospect, honestly, in retrospect, I probably should have given that vote to Survivor Series instead, but. Remember so both awesome. of
0: those are better than Double or Nothing and Wrestle Kingdom 13.
2: Yeah, because again, Double or Nothing was so freaking top heavy. It's top five, like top five, top six of the year, mostly because of its importance. But it was three matches. I, I stand by that. Oh, it was no, a three match No, shot. Jack, can you just
0: close that that debate? I don't know where you stand on that, but three <laughs> matches. <laughs>
2: We, we we have to we have to
3: leave this in 2019. We can't with this guy. It was t- three matches. We get it. We got a top heavy. It was awesome, is what it was. That's it why was. It was like, a great
2: ending. Great, great, great it was, finish.
3: It, 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 it did make my list. It made it made third for me. Double or nothing.
2: Great. Man. That's right. Not not ahead of Takeover New York. Correct. All right. Moving on. Our second award. Feud of the year. It has come down to Chris Jericho versus Cody, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. And Adam Cole, Bebe against Johnny Gargano. And the winner is. Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano from NXT. Now this was a unanimous choice from all of us. And I really think it was a no-brainer, all things considered. You, you know, the fact that it was, we were going Champa Gargano, the payoff was there for NXT TakeOver New York. We were ready and that NXT and Paul Levesque had to make a switch. And they throw Adam Cole into the mix and it almost makes you wonder, like, is it, was that the right thing? Like, like, did it end up working out? Because as bad as we wanted that final match in the champbook Gargano rivalry, I still think we're going to get it one day. In the interim, we got three of the best matches, the best trilogy of matches, one of the top five of those of all time, right? You have Steamboat Flare, you have certainly Omega and Okada in the number one spot, in my opinion. And this, how do you not put it second, third, or fourth? I can't even think of a I might on put that. it fourth after to...
0: Gargano Ciampa, and that's, that's not a slight. Okay. That's not a slight. Okay. There you
2: go. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I mean, the, to Jack, to understand the, the, I don't want to say pressure on the shoulders of Adam Cole and, and Johnny Gargano, because in some ways there's no pressure. They were a replacement for, the greatest story ever told, 2.0, Gargano Champa. right? They were like a replacement, like, okay, they'll probably have a pretty good four-and-a-half-star match, but whatever. So I don't even want to say pressure, yet to take that ball and give you what Dave Meltzer called the greatest match in WWE history, give you the best match my eyes have ever seen in person, the most feels I've ever received from a wrestling match, even more then steamboat savage first watch or even hogan andre first watch and by the way people need to realize in the moment how epic and dramatic that that match was um it's insane. And then when you add on, and I know we went ad nauseum all year about this, but when you add on the fact that they made it into a trilogy and it's actually on the shelf next to Steamboat Savage and Okada Omega, it's insanity for Adam Cole, who we already loved and knew, to step up to the level of where Johnny Thunder, uh, Fair Play, uh, Takeover, Gargano's Pizza was. It's insane <laughs> what those two dance partners did together. Yeah, It should not have been that good. And it's a no, testament be- to them, Jack, and to Paul Levesque. Take it away,
3: brother. Yeah, because there were obvious plans. There were big things in the future for Adam Cole. But, an audible had to be called, and they said, well, you gotta get, you gotta get in the game right now, kiddo. Go out. And he knocked it out of the friggin' park. Like, like you said, to give us a trilogy like that, that we all look forward to, like each match we look forward to a little more. We didn't say, oh, I don't think I ever once said, boy, I, you know, I just want this program to end. Every time they, they they a new match would be announced, you'd get hyped for it. You wanted to see it. You needed to see it. And it can't be overstated because that Gargano Champa story slash rivalry, whatever you want, however you want to refer to it in the moment, is one of the greatest things WWE has ever pulled off in terms of a story that was supposed to be paid off at WrestleMania. You couldn't do it. Adam Cole comes in, and that was the moment I think everybody realized just how talented Adam Cole actually is it's what guys like kevin kevin owens and the young but it's what they've known for years that adam cole is one of the most talented performers on this planet and that was the opportunity for him to finally show everyone and look his entire year but it started right there it's just crazy that this immediately
0: followed gargano champa which like you know, and the fact that that immediately followed Omega Okada, it shows you the evolution of wrestling storytelling and work rate combined together. But the fact that it's almost overshadowed by what came before it is just mind blowing. Like this should be the kind of feud and in, in trilogy and match set that, that happens every seven to ten years, so you can separate it rather than oh yeah, remember when Gargano and Champa changed your life? Oh yeah, th- so like three months later, Gargano found a new dance partner. It's
2: it's crazy. And it's crazy that Gargano is the is the piece that molds it all together. That he like we're going to talk about Champa was great, right? And Cole had this epic run, but Gargano was in all of the matches, working most of them hurt with a bad neck that has seen him out of action for a significant period of time right now. So when you consider that he was the linchpin for all of this and is involved in two of the five six greatest you know trilogy feuds ever. And doesn't get the credit for it because yes, people love Johnny, but in the first feud, he, he was the face. He was the one that everyone was cheering for against Champa, who was the obvious heel. But Cole, despite working heel, has so many fans on his side that Gargano was getting booed in those matches. He was getting booed in, in New York. We were there, man. We were a little far away to hear it, you know, from where we should have been sitting. Um, worst seats of all time. But it, it was it was it was crazy. Um, the juxtaposition of Gargano in one feud versus another, and yet he still was the linchpin of both. It speaks to him. I don't know that he's going to really get a lot of credit in this show or really from anyone that's doing awards in 2019, but he definitely deserves more. Yeah, no B-side of the
0: it. year. He made everybody use. No question about that. I had trouble in voting for this, guys. After this was the obvious choice, we all got it right. You know, I wanted to obviously like, hey, is there an AEW feud I can reward? But I think the AW, AEW feuds, none of them – Ever quite hit an apex to a memorable level. I know when you read out the three finalists that Cody and Jericho ended up getting some love, but to me that wasn't good enough. I almost liked Omega and Moxley better, yet I had some issues with that. That's one thing they haven't done yet. They haven't just committed to two entities. I'm well. Let me take that back. The Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros are oh, having some sorry. kind of feud here to start things off, but and they're changing the game and they're doing a lot of great things but we haven't seen a real memorable feud yet from them, and I think that's something they should pick up on.
2: I think Cody did a good job getting the feud with Dustin and feud with Jericho over making them important in short periods of time. But you cannot compare one-off matches to a trilogy like we saw. Now, that said, Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, again, it was a one-off match, but the build, the promos that Daniel Bryan cut during that build, the promos that Kofi Kingston cut – The way that WWE booked him to all those matches, not just leading up to it, but after he won the title at WrestleMania, I think that was a dark horse that many other years might have won Feud of the Year, but didn't really sniff it this year because of Cole Gargano.
3: The the optics of Brian and Kingston was just great because here you have the guy who had the most storied miracle run in company history leading up to WrestleMania 30 telling a guy he's a B-plus player and can't hack it. Right. I mean th- that was the best part of it. Like it's one thing if Brock Lesnar tells a challenger you don't got what it takes, but when Brian was standing there week after week and tell Kofi Kingston now nah, you're not good enough. The same guy a few years ago that we were cheering on in the same capacity. But but you're right if it wasn't for what Adam and Johnny did, that probably would have won. And,
2: and I mean I I probably would have voted for it. I think I did vote for it second.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean what what
0: uh what Adam and Johnny did just kind of blew everybody else out of the water, but I had some real dark horses in my two and three. Hey, guys, remember the beginning of the year when Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch was hot frickin' fire? Not the beginning of the year. The the the, the two-quarter mark when they were doing those promos face-to-face, when they were getting that
2: intensity, when yeah. they had that match. Was it Rumble? Uh, no. No, Rumble was uh Banks and Rousey. Uh, Sasha came back after WrestleMania. The like, to well that after- first
0: pay-per-view SummerSlam, match they had. Right? SummerSlam. Look, yeah. top to bottom, man, that got me fired up. That was at, for a stretch, that was some of the best stuff I thought WWE was doing at the time. I wanna k- shout them out. They're Hell in a Cell match. That was those two. Freaking fantastic. Yeah. They had a good yeah. run. And how about this for a sleeper? It was short. But you wanna add up great promos every segment each week mattering to build to the match. And then both guys selling their souls to make that match as great as it could have been. Triple H and Dave Batista gave us what we wanted. Give me what I want. No, no, you give me what I want. Give me what I want. He gave us what we wanted. I didn't want that thing. They turked me into it. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I think the issue with Becky and Sasha is just Sasha never went over. You have to put her over in one of those, and they never did. And they cooled her off as quickly as they built her up.
0: They also cooled off Becky this calendar year, so they're both dead. All of that WWE is dead to me. Thank you, Jack. Super fan of Batista. Thank you.
2: All right, third award here, the Commentator of the Year. We actually have three finalists, as we normally do. I don't know why I said actually there. This, by the way, is the Bobby the Brain Heenan Commentator of the Year, I should note. Our finalists are Mauro Ronaldo for NXT. Tony Schiavone for AEW, and Vic Joseph for WWE Raw. And the winner is... Obviously Mauro, Renalo, our three-time winner of commentator of the year. BC, you and I, every year it's Morrow. We know this. It's not very difficult to pick. But, Jack, you went ahead and chose Vic Joseph. Tell us why. I love
3: that. The, 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 What that man has done this year, he basically got a trial on Raw one week, had to step in really quick, knocked it out of the park. They decide when they do the split that he's going to become the full-time man on Monday nights. And for my—he's not—he's killed it on the biggest wrestling show there is, week after week. Now, part of what might be swaying me is that every time Jerry Lawler makes a stupid comment, which is about every 30 seconds, Vic is really good at either no-selling or just casually making him look like an idiot. I love how Vic handles that nonsense. (laughs) But just from a pure pro-wrestling commentator standpoint, he he's knocked it out of the park. The guy has become, quickly for me— the guy I enjoy most on commentary. That's just the truth. That, that's that's where I stand now heading into 2020. I give, him, me. give him a
0: most improved. He certainly did not. He's, he's handling it well. I think, look, it's weird. I'm a moral fan. I'm a moral friend. We can almost name this award after him because he's the best in the world, in my opinion. And I think this was actually a down moral Ronaldo year. I don't think this was his best. 2018, he was freaking amazing. This year... You know, it, 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 maybe it's the new team that he's mixed with. It just hasn't flowed at the same level to me. Yet, I still think he won in a landslide, and I think the only one who can actually catch him in this award year to year right now as their all their abilities stand is Kevin Kelly, if NJPW can have one of those sick, amazing years again, and it gets in front of us consistently because that guy's doing great work in Japan. But, hey, shout out to Vic Joseph. They, gave, they put him out there to sink or swim, and he's been swimming, so that's good.
2: Yeah, he he definitely deserves credit. No hate whatsoever for Vic. You know, I think I'm glad that Shivani actually got in there because he really has been carrying commentary on AEW. Excalibur's doing a good job. I think Jim Ross, we all kind of feel the same way. It's cool to hear his voice. It's the wrong guy for this product at that time. But, but to be fair to all of them, Ronaldo is at just such a different level. Um, and that Brian is right. He lost the team that made like Percy Watson was such a nice linchpin for that group, and having Beth Phoenix there, Brian hates her, I don't, I think she does a t- totally fine job, but this was not his banner year, and yet, I couldn't believe that anyone voted for anyone else besides Mauro Ranallo for number one.
0: Yeah, the wor- worst announcer of the year, it was actually Renee
2: Young, followed by Jerry Lawler and Beth Phoenix, thank you. And yet, Renee Young on SmackDown, without Michael Cole, without Corey Graves, was very good. Shaq, uh, agreed? No, 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 I thought, I, she was better than she was on Raw. She was very I'll, good. i it, it, it that way. Ve- but it was a very
3: entertaining. There's only show. one but, piece but, time bottom, after, bottom yeah. line is she's like that's out of her comfort zone, and she even admitted it. Like the commentary thing was just a yeah. bad Speaking idea. Speaking of no, her and comfort she's,
0: zone, Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. <laughs> very
3: comfortable,
2: very comfortable tag. And, yes, and she's you. doing and she's doing great on backstage, which might add. That's not color. That's not live play by play or color commentary, but that might add a little layer to next year's show as there. well. She's
0: great. Yeah.
2: Okay, number four here, the tag team of the year. Our finalists are the Young Bucks. Undisputed Era, which is Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and the Lucha Bros. And the winner is... So the Lucha Bros win Tag Team of the Year, which I think to many might be a surprise. To me, the three finalists are a surprise, uh, BC, you voted for the Lucha Bros here. Talk to us about why their 2019 was so great. Look, I think this award
0: is either you prefer the Bucks or you prefer the Lucha Bros, and I don't think anyone else is even on the level. In fact, I didn't even vote for Undisputed Era because I thought the Kubuki Warriors had such a great second half to sort of slide in there and sneak in, but – What they did, the work that the Lucha Bros and the Bucks have done since launching AEW, making tag team a centerpiece, becoming main event material, having pay-per-view matches that have blown my mind, including that insane spot fest of a ladder match in which they basically said, look, we're gonna do it this style and we're gonna do the best version of this style you've ever seen before. I think Meltzer gave it 5.75 stars. It was incredible. Um, it has to be one of them, and I think the Lucha Bros were even better this year, and they are so good that it's the equivalent of when you take two insanely good top-tier singles stars and put them together in almost like a Mega Powers type thing, yet they also happen to be brothers and have been teaming together forever. So it's like the best of both worlds because they are so good that individually, if they both either of them made runs at the AEW Championship, I'd be like, yep, damn right. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. And yet they're together – I don't. they' it's incapable. Them as heels is fan friggin' tastic. Yet they can obviously do a high flying baby style as well. The what they have been able to done to take their brand, considering I hadn't even heard of them a year and a half ago, hadn't even heard of them, and yet I'm you know relatively have my ear to to what's going on in the indie scene. Um, they have come in, and if you hadn't heard of them at all, and this is your first experience with them, they've done nothing but but hit home runs on AEW. In my opinion.
2: So I gave – first of all, Dave Meltzer, if if he did give that a 5.75 star, if he gave that match 5.75 stars, he should be committed to an insane asylum. And you thinking that match is amazing, same thing. It was a fine match, completely – over-choreographed. It was a joke. That's not to say the talent wasn't there in the four competitors. Very boomer of you. It SK. was. Very boomer no, of no, you. No, it's true. It, it's true. It was ridiculous. Now, that said, I did vote for the Luchabros first place as well. I'm going to let Jack explain why he uh, voted for Undisputed Era. For me, it was a compilation award, kind of like what you said. It was... Them, as a tag team, they had won many other tag team titles over the course of the year outside of AEW, where the Young Bucks don't even didn't have any inside AEW because they weren't the first champion. It was a compilation of that, both guys individually, what they've been able to do, taking all that into account. I did give them the nod, but my number two vote was for New Day, and you guys can tell me later why they didn't deserve a vote, but this is a team that consistently puts on incredible matches no matter who they work with. They can be champions or not champions at any time, and if you want to do the compilation thing, you have Kofi Kingston in that group as well. Well, So I don't know how they didn't get a vote. I don't know how they weren't finalists, but they deserve respect. Because they didn't have a massive
0: year. Kofi was a single star and a champion for the majority of the year. They were a solid team, but they were no... More outstanding to me than the Usos of the Revival, who both had solid years as well. They were just sorta, of, you know, they had a typically strong good year. I mean, look, when you look at the Bucks and Luchas, they hit frickin' home runs like crazy. And like I said, shout out to Kabuki's who came on and really made, made this thing matter down the stretch. Jack, you loved yourself some Red Dragon, though.
3: I loved Red Dragon. I've loved Red Dragon since they first came together in Ring of Honor. But no, like, especially this, like these guys are just a model of consistency. You, you put them in the ring with anyone they're going to have a great match. And they just continuously show out every time you put them in that ring together. And they're entertaining as all hell, especially Kyle, like with, with his goofy shtick. And then you got, then you got Bobby who comes across as the killer. I just, I I thought that throughout the entire year from start to finish, they were just the bigger model of consistency throughout every tag team division in every company.
2: I think that's fair. Uh, they were my third place vote in retrospect, uh, I didn't really think about Kabuki Warriors BC, Me and, I prob- and I probably would have given them my vote because you're right. What they have done over the last few months, it's kind of like Becky Lynch last year in mid-year, junior. She's not wrestler of the year, but based on those last four months, like it was pretty crazy. And the Kabuki Warriors have been great every single time they've been out there. You guys know how I feel about the Young Bucks; they certainly weren't going to get it. Um, but I think ultimately the Lucha Bros are exceedingly deserving uh, of getting this crown. But
3: again, like you like you guys said. Like, now we, we share our excitement going into 2020 because what made me wonder was, because they started a little bit late, and I get the company. Where would Santana and Ortiz have been if they were a consistent presence, a more consistent presence on TV? Where would they? Great be? Great point. In, you want to talk about grouping?
0: somebody who deserves credit for elevating their brand? They probably won't win our. I don't know who won our other awards, but they probably won't win our. You know, comeback or 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 whatever awards we have for somebody taking their stock and elevating it. But Santana and Ortiz look like
2: main eventers every time mm-hmm. they're on the screen to me. They're great. I think I I don't like the reliance so much on the sock with the softballs or whatever. It just they don't need it, really. But you're right. They if you're talking about which tag team has the highest ceiling in 2020, it's them, the former LAX. No question about it. All right. Moving on to our fifth award, our rookie of the year. And to explain it a little bit, the rookie of the year needs to be in their first year with a major organization so this isn't some this isn't like john moxley he doesn't count because he's far from a rookie even though he's in year one in AEW. so just to clarify our finalists for rookie of the year darby allen mjf and angel garza and the winner is
1: Use that word fake because when I think of the word fake I think of you I think of that platinum blonde hair that looks like a cat pissed on it I think of those Gary Busey-esque beaver teeth that I could land a helicopter on and I think of all the times you look at these fans and claim you care about them well guess what Cody I'll give you this there's one thing about you that's very real and that's your shitty little lisp Oh
2: my yeah, God! Yeah, no question with MJF. Unanimous vote from us three. Uh, the number one guy, and and when you're talking about rookie, it's really tough to find rookies. There's only so many of them. But if you kind of said, "Hey, who's that guy you're kind of keeping your eye on for the next three to five years?" I think it's MJF, right? BC. Yeah. Look. So what
0: AW has done right is focused on a handful, probably, I mean, obviously too much in recent weeks, a gratuitous amount of trying to get everyone over, but the idea of picking out young talent that they think can be future stars for them right now, so not even future, they think can be stars for them right now. They put a lot behind him, and he has... Like hitting a home run or hitting a Grand Slam would be an understatement. Every time he's on screen, he owns the segment, including when he was on there with Jericho when they did that in-ring thing. He owns the screen and space like very few in this business who have that thing we call what is the button for it? It. Yes, that thing. That thing that we call it. Okay? So everyone else out there? You
1: don't But he
0: has it, and it's intoxicating. It's almost, it would be a weird word to say in this spot, but it's almost sexy. It just leaps off of him that it. He's been able to back it up on the mic insanely, and he's been able to back it up in terms of both attacking people and looking the part of a tough ass and wrestling. He's been more, more than adequate. MJF is a future star. I am so glad we got this one right because this would have been one if we didn't
2: collectively get it right that I would have walked out of the studio on. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think Alan had his moments, which was cool. I was really surprised that Angel Garza finished second. He got a lot of respect for having a really good year, which was great. But MJF was an easy, unanimous choice for rookie of the year. Okay. Moving on, number six, breakthrough, right breakthrough wrestler of the year. This is someone that took their game to another level in 2019. Our finalists, Will Ospreay, Umberto Carrillo, and Rhea Ripley, and your winner is... The Ripley honest obviously winning this award, and it's a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought Will Ospreay, when I put the categories together, would have had it in the bag. BC did vote for him. I think two things kind of hurt here. One, he was already a big star. He did have an incredible 2019, especially the first six months when you talk about Wrestle Kingdom, all the way through the G1. But after that, you haven't really heard Will Ospreay's right. name, even though he's been doing stuff in NJPW and, and still been having really good matches. Whereas Rhea Ripley is kind of in that Becky Lynch zone from a year ago. Cl- she Not only was she great in NXT UK for the people that did see her there, but closed the year stronger than very few wrestlers ever have. And I got to be honest, man, that match Wednesday night, her winning the NXT Women's Championship – top five moment of the year for me it was emotional it was awesome they did an incredible job booking that with the crowd in the ring afterward i think she is the future of professional wrestling not just women's professional wrestling and jack i know you voted for her as well i think this was the right choice for breakthrough wrestler of the year
3: it was it was absolutely the right choice, especially we we've we talked about it last week and we we've talked about it before. Especially when she got the chance on WWE proper main roster, whatever you want to call it, she looked like she belonged. And sometimes, it, a lot of times, you get these NXT guys and gals up there for the first time, and they, it just se- seems like it doesn't fit. She fit perfectly onto there. My like th- that was an easy choice for me. My number two on this list, I'll admit to people because I know that someone get my number two on this list was baron corbin uh here's a guy and I, yeah i'm a corbin fan but here's a guy he is what well, was well actually during the year right after wrestling well he retires kurt angle he then goes into a feud for the top title on raw for a little bit he feuds with roman reigns and now here we sit as the years come to a close he is in the universal championship picture Again, even be it one match or not, he's in the picture again. But here's what put it over the edge for me. And he mentioned this on backstage, and I actually kind of forgot about it. And then we did the voting, the king of the ring tournament. That was where that shut everybody up who said this guy can't wrestle. He but, showed but, but he, he could do he could do much? his job in the ring. Did he? while
0: he got he had a better year than the year before. Did he change much difference? He was also getting great booking the year before, and he was the, I the thought, acting he might GM break, on my, Raw, and he was in our face every no, second.
3: No, my my definition of breakthrough is he broke through as an overall professional wrestler this year. Like the, the, the like the GM stuff that that's just him leading into being a heel. But overall, like because like I said. The King of the Ring tournament should have shut everyone up who said this guy can't work.
0: I'd put him more in is. most improved, but I'm not going to crap on the idealism behind what you're saying. He did sort of elevate
2: himself even if I wanted to Yeah, my Yeah, my, my was Breaking turn.
3: Through as an overall performer. Yeah. I really I, enjoyed his
2: year. I think he does belong on the most improved list. I, I think Breakthrough is where someone steps into a new level of not just fame but appreciation and expectation. My expectation – my, my expectation for Corbin is still kind of what it always was, which is a big time heel in WWE that they like, but is never going to have an exceedingly long run. He's a, he's very much a B side. Whereas my second place vote was for Io Shirai. And I think Jack, you gave her a third place vote. Yeah. Um, who I thought, despite her not winning the title at any point, she came through with flying colors whenever given the opportunity of this is like another one kind of like Rhea Ripley who is next on that list. And my third place vote was actually for uh, Mustafa Ali. And I probably would have voted him a little bit higher if it was not for that injury. And he got the push that we kind of expected. But if you watch when they announced Mustafa Ali coming to the ring, and by the way, he did get his first name back. When you watch him, the crowd goes nuts. This guy is totally freaking over. It's awesome to see he deserves it. And it's not that anyone else didn't, uh, you know, Will Ospreay, great year, of course. I didn't consider him really a breakthrough. Uh, so that's why he just didn't get my vote. But BC, he did get your first place vote.
1: Take the L and admit you're wrong. Because
0: you sound ridiculous. Um, I didn't give a vote to Rhea Ripley, and it wasn't because I didn't think she was deserving. I just didn't think of her when I went to vote on this, and it's a massive L, and I'll take it now because I would have had her either one or two. I really would have had to sat there and think about it, and she's clearly deserving of number one. So everything you guys said times a thousand. I think she's a new measuring stick. Remember, Dave Shoemaker used to say, "When I see somebody, I got to see him stand next to Randy Orton to see if they really look like a star." She, she's more. She looks more like a star than Becky Lynch or any of them have ever looked in my eyes. It doesn't mean that I think she'll be a better star. It just means it leaps off of her. It just screams. Um, I do want to give the love to Osprey in this category because what he did was he moved to heavyweight full-time. So the idea of taking him seriously as a G1 contender, taking him seriously as a championship contender against Okada, he made an insane leap. He was my MVP at the midway point of the year. That shows you how great his first half was. So he certainly broke through. You nailed it on Ali. And obviously shout out to Buddy Murphy, Sasha
2: the Dog's favorite wrestler. For sure. Now our seventh award is the comeback wrestler of the year. And this is someone obviously that comes back from injury or extend retirement, extended absence. That is this award, comeback wrestler of the year. Our three finalists are Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, And Trish Stratus, surprisingly, at least to me. And the winner is.
1: We're really glad that you're our friend. And this is a friendship that'll never, ever end. If you're feeling lonely today, come along and throw your cares away. Throw your cares away.
2: Obviously, Bray Wyatt and the Fiend win, and this was a very difficult award for us. First of all, I want to mention a couple people that just were left out of the finalists. Batista, what a comeback. Kenta, awesome comeback. These are two people that really should have been in these finalists, but it can only be three. Uh, look, guys, Roman Reigns fought back from leukemia, he had to give up the WWE Championship after winning it at SummerSlam last year, came back early 2019. I just think with Roman Reigns this year, because maybe not necessarily because of that, but because they didn't want to overpush him again, didn't have a WWE Championship, a heavyweight title, was in a lot of secondary and tertiary feuds, whereas Bray Wyatt, you have to kind of admit, is the hottest new gimmick in professional wrestling and may have changed the game long term with a era or at least a year defining character. For me that's why Bray Wyatt got the number 1 vote over Roman Reigns for number 2.
0: Yeah, I mean how you, it's hard to uh talk down beating cancer by by any means and it's tough. they did nothing with him afterwards. Seriously, they really didn't do anything with him afterwards and he even got a WrestleMania victory I didn't think and we agree that he deserved at that point, but uh I I did want to shout out. You said you said Trish was in there. You named a couple people, even though he didn't have a lot of success afterwards. uh, Taka Takahashi of Japan just coming back to the ring after that injury. I want to give him that love for coming back. But yeah, um, I guess this proves what Bray Wyatt has said in the past: anyone but you, Roman, because even in this (laughs) category, um, look, this guy uh, has—you know—he's in—he's in the conversation for a lot of awards this year for a reason. Hell of a comeback from injury, because that's really why he was out for a while. But you want to talk about coming back from having a character that was stuck in a dead end, and you know they're not giving him the good booking, they're not doing anything with him. Oh, here's one of the greatest gimmicks of all time, and you are going to take it and perform it better than we ever thought you could coming in hell of a, hell of a hell of a year for good
3: old Bray. Wyatt. I mean Bray was the first time in a while. I mean, Adam, I know you and I will never forget that night, that hell in a cell night, man. <laughs> we will never ever forget that night. But to, to piss off fans that were that just wanted one person to win a match so badly, and you don't do it, and that place almost turned into what we saw at a boxing event on Friday night. They were going to start throwing things in the ring at Seth Rollins. But great booking. No, for,
0: Did I ever tell you my two-year plan for that
2: great booking? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Among the moments on State of Combat that we would like to forget in 2019, Brian Campbell's rant on The Fiend's long-term vote. That is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. You- but no, Jack, you're right. I, I think we were also talking online live, I believe, when the first vignette aired on Raw. And we're like, actually, maybe I have actually may have been talking to BC. And I'm like, what is this? I am so scared. And then by the end of it, I'm like, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's very similar, obviously in a different way, to what they did with Brodus Clay. When they first introduced him, they aired the vignettes of him being this menace and this this badass monster who was going to beat the hell out of people, and then he debuts as Funkasaurus. It was the same type of swerve where you're seeing this Mr. Rogers character, and you're like, what exactly are they doing here? And then like four in, four or five vignettes in, they introduce the fiend, and you're like, oh my god, something is actually happening here. I think what he deserves credit for is not just the comeback, the new character, the vision behind it, because he took a dead character in in the old Bray Wyatt. He was about to be Sister Abigail at a pay-per-view against the pumpkin demon Finn. Thank God he got hurt just so that match didn't happen, right? But that was about to happen. He goes away for nearly a year, comes back as this, and it's not just that the character is great. You can make an argument booking here and there has not been good. But he has somehow maintained control over the storyline arc, and it hasn't dipped in terms of the interest level in the character and what he's going to do next.
3: I mean, I'm interested to hear because we talk about all the time. Vince McMahon gives that man more leeway to do what he wants than maybe than very few others in history. Like I just wanted to like Vince's trust in Bray Wyatt is really something that mesmerizes me.
0: It's It's been incredible, and you need to be able to execute that to make something like that work. And the fact that it hasn't ever been lame, there hasn't been one moment where it's dipped below the cool factor and the serious factor. In fact, it consistently goes just enough too far where I'm like, you know what? that's pretty damn satanic or that's pretty damn intense or am I the only one that just got to chill up my spine when he was staring at the screen? So the fact that they're able to constantly stay there has been impressive considering what WWE has done lately.
2: For sure. Our eighth award here is promo of the year. Our three finalists are Cody's promo against Chris Jericho before full gear. You can call that the silver spoon promo triple H and Batista, the back and forth promo that we got on WWE TV and Cody's taped Prodigal Son vignette promo that I believe also was before... Oh, no, sorry. That was before Double or Nothing, his match with Dustin. Those are your three finalists for promo of the year, and the winner is...
1: I neglected to read in your best-selling book, A Lion's Tale, which you could get on Amazon for $3 or at any... Or at any flea market. (laughs) I neglected to read about the upbringing you had that was so hard. You talked about my silver spoon. Gosh, it must have been so difficult. Being the upper class son of a famous hockey player. It is almost like we shared the exact same silver spoon. You stupid dick. (laughs) You dismissed. You dismissed every accomplishment I've made. You've talked about. My father. Well, you call me an entitled millennial. I call you a carny succubus because the dirty secret about you, the dirty secret is you need this generation more than it needs you. And you've surrounded yourself with impressionable youth. This isn't about my dad. This isn't about the dead. It's about the living. It's about my mother. It's about my sister. It's about my wife. It's about the 14 years it took me to go from undesirable to un-goddamn deniable.
2: And that, our Smack Talker of the Year as well, is Cody Rhodes. And isn't it appropriate? That is the Dusty Rhodes Award for Smack Talker of the Year and Promo of the Year, both going to Cody. Uh, BC actually, for being honest, voted for the prodigal son promo instead no hate there because that thing was fantastic as well but jack you and i uh voted for this award or for this promo for the award and i think you can probably agree with me here just watching it live um seeing the immediate reaction to it it was special like it's one of those where you see it in the moment you don't need to listen to it a second time it was just special no matter
3: how long aew does stick around that's going to be a clip that resonates throughout time That promo cut by Cody, that, oh my God, like he just, and the way, like he just kept going higher and higher and higher. It wasn't too much. He just let the promo build and he let the promo build. And it was just, that was about as perfect as you can get in a, in in a lengthy pro wrestling promo, which is very much opposed to what I voted for, for number two, which surprised BC when I told him I was voting it for number two. But no, this by far to me was the best promo in pro wrestling all year. I'm glad we got it right on Cody because you didn't think of him as a promo guy
0: before this. And uh, I didn't, at least. I didn't think of him as a descendant of his father in that regard. And the freedom that they're allowed in AEW, I think there's no secret why. I think, like, as I'm voting this and and marking out my honorable mentions, I think, like, four of the five are on AEW. And it makes a lot of sense, right? And there's certainly been some great Daniel Bryan ones that were either, like, off TV or on – dot WWE.com or on a pre show and it was great. But the freedom that they give, Cody has hit a giant home run. And it wasn't just the off script take shots. Uh look, I love the 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 one before uh the first pay per view because he took shots at it took really smart shots at Paul Levesque. And just everything about that the whole delivery I mean look even Brandy had that promo. You'll probably roll your eyes at that Silver King, but Brandy's promo is fantastic too. Everyone on there. The one that mocks cut on uh, Jericho ahead of that last one. Like, the everything they're doing on this. The one Jericho cut when he introduced the damn faction. Everything's been brilliant and fun and loose. And the only time we get that on WWE proper is when somebody's allowed to do it. Like Triple H, my number two vote for promo of the year. When he cut at Fastlane that long one on Dave. And called him Dave and really <laughs> kind of exposed the fourth wall in the business. I mean, it was beautiful outside of that That's the one thing AEW has massively succeeded on. You can talk what you want about their work, great, their decision-making, on booking, all that stuff. Their promos keep me locked to the damn screen. So shout-out to Cody for really being the star in that category.
2: Yeah, promos are great. Uh, I had, again, my first one was the winner. Second, same as you, the Triple H Batista back and forth. But, man, that Daniel Bryan B-plus player promo and Kofi's answer back to him, I think a lot of us are forgetting on that build – how good of a job Kofi did on the mic. He is not a promo master. He, I didn't vote for it for him, but they got my third place vote because Daniel Bryan all year, no matter the situation, no matter whether he was promoing the stupid feud with Roman Reigns that wasn't and, and trying to criticize Rowan for attacking him, didn't matter what he did. Uh, Daniel Bryan, he was our, I think he was our winner last year. No, uh, it was either him or Becky Lynch last year. I'm forgetting. It might have been him. Um, but, he was fantastic. How about that I promo he cut at me at the Fredda. top
0: of the Empire State Building? Remember that promo on Kofi? I oh, mean, it was God. incredible. He cut, he a, gr- cut a promo cut on a the great- camera
2: guy. He cut a great promo on you. He also cut, just like you mentioned, last year he cut a promo about like T-shirts or something Uh backstage three hours before a pay-per-view. He did a similar promo like three hours before a <laughs> pay-per-view this year, I couldn't even find it. I wanted it's, to play it. It's the it. Stomping Grounds so pre-show. Good. Stomping
3: Grounds pay-per-view
2: pre-show was probably his was?
3: best See. promo of the year. It's insane. See, some a lot of times with promos, guys, because i got to explain my number two here for a second, because I basically you were surprised. My number two, sometimes with promos, less is more. One of my all-time favorite promos <laughs> is Roman Reigns standing in that ring saying, this is my yard yes. now, and dropping the microphone. I have a Dave Bautista promo as my number two. When he marched down to that ring, dressed to the nines, didn't say a word. Showed footage on the Titantron of him beating Triple H's ass over and over and over. Takes his sunglasses off. Looks in the camera and says, Hunter, kiss my ass. Love. And how good was that? I mean, they like. I
1: was laughing so hard, so hard for so long.
3: That feud had so
0: many great moments. We don't talk about it. That was awesome. And shout out who had a very underrated promo year.
1: No, 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 no. That's not your legacy. You want to know what your legacy is? I'm going to tell you what your legacy is. Now that John Cena has gone off to Hollywood, you have assumed the role of corporate bitch.
0: Um, that guy had some killers this year. Okay, at Kofi, at a lot of people, at AJ Styles. I mean, it's been incredible.
2: And Jarko, too. Jarko has been great consistently, as you mentioned. It's been a really good promo year, and Moxley Somehow, and Becky, by the way, somehow don't get on this list, even though Becky was cutting great promos against Sasha and Rousey on the way into that. Yeah, there was clunky storytelling, but Becky's promos were great. And against Sasha when she came back. So Becky was right up there, but we don't even mention her because just Cody was so freaking good this year and
0: we gotta hey, give credit where it's due. Jack, do you think that Adam is not giving Conrad Thompson any credit for his promo of the year? Are you guys ready for a revolution? Oh,
2: my God. I mean, that was one of the best moments of the I year. I forgot
0: about that. Adam loves Bullshit. that one.
1: <laughs> wow. All
2: right. We got four major awards left, the four big awards. Here they come. First, the Katie Vick Award for Worst Angle or Moment of the Year. Our three finalists, Undertaker versus Goldberg at Blood, Money, in the Sand, Kenny Omega's promo after Fight for the Fallen, and WWE's wild card rule and the winner is
1: what if we had ourselves a wild card rule i mean we've had a superstar shakeup that's tremendous on top of that what if i allowed three members of smackdown to come to raw on a given occasion what if i invited three members of raw to come to smackdown we would have ourselves a wild card rule. There's no telling what the hell would happen. I'm a genius. I'm brilliant. This will be a night you will never forget. I'm brilliant.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a <laughs> night, uh, it was a night we would never forget. It was a, an era, a period of time we would never forget. The insanity of the wild card rule, them thinking it would work. Guys, I, I was trying to find like, I'm like, what audio clip am I going to play for wild card rule? And I found this segment. And I watched it back. The convolution that went into this segment of Roman Reigns coming out and telling Vince, I'll be on whatever show I want to be on and Daniel Bryan come out coming out, well, if he's going to be on any show, he wants to be on, I will too, and new WWE champ Kofi Kingston comes out, and then Drew McIntyre comes out, and Vince cuts that promo, and then does two WrestleMania rematches in the same uh. edition of Raw, then it's like three per show, but don't worry, if it's a tag team, they just count as one, and then it's, eh, well, it's up to five, and then they stopped counting, and then it was a free-for-all. He was right, it ended up being a free-for-all, it ruined the, what the product was Already on a downturn because the superstar shakeup was garbage. They did a terrible job. They did not even out the rosters, and they tried to throw this garbage at us very shortly after apologizing to the WWE universe for the general managers and Baron Corbin ruining the product, and we're never going to let that happen again. We're going to give well, you what only- you want. We're going to give you yeah. what you want. Yeah, You're right. we're going to give you what you want. No more Corbin, no more this, and then they go and throw this shit cherry. On top of the crap Sunday, this was a unanimous choice. If you can't tell, the worst angle of the year, the The Katie Vick award, the wild card. Wow. I I think when I
3: sent my vote to you, Adam, I think I put in parentheses. This should be freaking unanimous. I did actually. I I almost didn't want to vote for
0: it because I don't want to even want to like like give it any shine because it was it was literally when I lost my smile. It was literally when I'm like, it's not just like me speculating that they don't care about this shit. This is them straight up just being like, eh, you know, Fox want us to move the stars around a little bit. So we'll just throw up this whole brand split upside down. Who cares? I mean, just whatever.
2: Whatever. And and that's, and that's not even like considering, yeah, Undertaker Goldberg was a bleep show. Okay, Blood Money in the Sand. Then, and, and Jack and I had a long conversation. We don't need to get into it about like the plane back from Saudi Arabia and like how that was a bad moment. Or maybe it wasn't, but we just don't really know. That thing happened. And then Omega's fight for the Fallen promo, just because I feel like we need to address it in this show. Him, well, I'm not going to say bang because this is an event for gun violence, so boing. Like, I wanted oh, to God. crawl under a table uh and and, you know, choke myself to death. It was so cringy. I hate using that word. But – I love you. Every year. There's bad moments every year, man. That was the cringiest
0: moment of wrestling in 2019. I wanted to vote at number one, but it it doesn't come close to upsetting my anger (laughs) in the WWE product when they would actually come forward with the damn wild card rule. But Kenny Omega deserves – like, look, that, that was the turning point moment. And you can go back and listen to our shows where Adam and I collectively were just like, you know what? I don't know if AEW knows what they're doing. I don't know if this is going to be good at all. Yeah. Like that you may be insane. feeling that now with recent booking decisions, but this was like fundamentally, I don't think they know what cool is. Right now they, they got maybe booking issues, but they know what cool is. At that point it was like, are these the people that I've li- like linked my reputation with as a wrestling fan and pundit? Like this is cringe freaking city right here. Cuz don't forget that can Ken-
3: that whole Kenny thing was a cherry on top of the fact that they mistimed the show. Oh, yeah. They they showed that they have they had no clue whatsoever how to time a show after their tout. And we're going to be, we're like, you horribly timed this damn show. And now Kenny's, what, what is wrong with They're you bringing guys? Bringing out the check. And it it was, I mean, come on. It, it,
2: it was also at the end of a bad show. They presented a check for a tiny amount of money when you consider the fact that the cons are billionaires, right? And it was just really bad all the fight for the fallen was bad and that was like i said the shit cherry on top of the crap sunday okay three more big awards left next up is the angle or moment of the year this is the mega powers explode award not giving you finalists we had a unanimous winner here and it is Kofi Kingston is Guys, I've been to a lot of wrestling events, right? I saw, you know, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels retire, Ric Flair. I've seen Taker Michaels. I saw Okada win the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I saw Chris Jericho's uh, second return to WWE. Uh, I've never seen a wrestling crowd react like they did when Kofi won the title. It was pandemonium. People around me, men, women, children, all races. Everything crying. I I think it was the clear moment of the year. And when I think back of WrestleMania 35 or even just WrestleMania in general, it's a top five WrestleMania moment all time for me.
0: I think that's the best thing you can say about it. It's legitimately in the conversation of best WrestleMania moments of all time. And what I really love about it is when we had Kofi on the podcast building up to that and I'm sort of asking him the the racially loaded question about, you know, Vince McMahon in the promo saying, you know, people like you. And he's like, yo, hold on. Like this isn't about race. This is about us inspiring anyone who's different. And I remember in that moment I'm sort of like, all right, Kofi, I get it. Let's be inclusive to everybody when I want like this white and black angle. There is no racism in the WWE. Never have, never will be. Yeah, the reality is he's right because when this moment happened, it didn't matter your skin color. It was just like part of it is you're so happy that they're finally recognizing a black champion in that type of setting and moment. But it's just as much as they're representing an underdog and recognizing him or it's just as much as when his sons came in the ring. That's as good of a moment as anything. That's when the tears really started to fall. It's literally like this is the runaway award of the year. And it's almost like, okay, let's get the Kofi talk out of the way and then try to figure out who was second place because it was that far wide. And I'm really glad that happenstance and injury and all this opened the door and that Kofi hit an absolute home run in the buildup, in the moment, in the match. Shout out to Daniel Bryan for being the perfect dance partner and B-side to set that up. And then Kofi... Like I predicted, every pay-per-view thought he was going to give the belt back quick, and it would be a singular moment, and it turned into a very memorable reign. So that's all Kofi Kingston right there. I didn't think he had it in him, and for him to be able to take such a great moment and build on it with matches and an inspirational journey, this is one of the feel-good things of 2019. No, this is the feel-good thing of 2019. Amazing.
2: Jack, I'm going to go to you in one second. So uh, when you go to WrestleMania, breaking a little fourth wall, I was in the press box working with B.C., Snuck out because I had to see this live. I had to see this in the crowd. A WrestleMania working press box, BC, is not a normal sports event working press box where you don't cheer. People there cheer, you know, they, they react to they the ends of matches. They drink alcohol. Spoiler alert, they drink alcohol there as well. Okay, well, so I'm curious, what was the reaction like? in the press box for this, separate from what I experienced in the crowd. It was full full fanaticism. Now, look, the reason why is there's not
0: everybody there is writing deadline recaps and match grades and reviews like we are. A lot of people are just – that's their ticket that they got because they work for whatever magazine or whatever and they happen to go. But um it's full on – screaming and cheering like you're hearing in the crowd just a smaller version it was a beautiful magical moment and incredible and i don't get down like that like i'm more into like the show me a real fight show me something that's fake that looks real and this is just such a great moment that uh i'm glad i'm glad i saw that much emotion come out of people
2: now jack you you voted for this as well did it kind of hit you the same way
3: yeah, I mean, I've never had the pleasure of going to a WrestleMania, and I mean, I may never in my life, but that was one of the few... <laughs> Jack, you that can was take my ticket few, this was... year.
0: Jack, you can take my <laughs> ticket. You
3: can, you can sit in the press I, I, box. Even if, but there are, that was the first time in a very long time, and I watch WrestleMania every year, obviously, but that was the first time in a long time that I looked at a moment, and I was jealous of 80,000 people sitting in a stadium. That, that was when I was like, that, that I wish I could have been in the stadium to feel that moment, and like I'm, I'm so happy you guys did. Like that's awesome. Uh, but that was one of the first because like a lot of WrestleMania, I'm like oh, I'm cool watching it on TV. I'm all right watching. That was one moment, and I I couldn't even remember the last time I felt like I wish I was in that stadium.
2: What What's crazy about that is that the whole WrestleMania got built up for the main event, the Triple Threat women's main event, which yeah. you would think would win this award. Like it should have. It really should have. Um, it was. It happened so late in the night. The finish got botched. It was short. It wasn't what we expected from Ronda Rousey, this undefeated champion all year, against Becky, the most over person in the company, and Charlotte, this legend, that when you kind of look back on it, you had to give the women the main event spot. They deserved it. But if you could rebook that card, certainly you'd cut four matches from the card, but you'd probably put that as the mid-show main event and put Daniel Bryan Kofi Kingston as the main event of the show that's
0: how good that moment was it, no doubt oh, God, about yeah. it. and uh look I want to say this is that like it was a runaway award but I don't want to miss other things that got close or really were deserving I, i'm still mad at you adam because last year's feel good moment should have been um the uh what do you call that tag team abushi and, and kenny the golden lovers That moment when they reunited early last year and the streamers fell and they hugged, I mean, that's one of those just rare, like, I actually had tears in my eyes. I actually had tears in my eyes for Kofi this year. But there was one other thing that produced tears this year, and I think at Double or Nothing, it deserves our respect and attention. Cody and his brother have that epic freaking match, and we get that promo afterwards. its You could have crossed this in multiple categories,
1: you mean to tell me some pissant.
0: Oh, that's the wrong. I got the wrong labeled soundboard. All right. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's the uh, yeah. so I, I mislabeled that. That's the uh, that's the prodigal son problem there. Anyway, um, shout out to Cody and Dustin for attacking my feel spot. You're as, talking
2: about you're talking about I need my
0: brother. As lame as that is on paper. And it is. <laughs> and as lame as that is to mock like you just did and rightfully so. In that <laughs> moment, guys, it, 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 it penetrated my wall. It penetrated the wall of fuels. It got in there. And I was just like, you know what? Damn right, man. Damn right. That's his brother. That's my quarterback. That's his brother. Like, yeah, man. They're back together. Like to know if what that moment meant for them as a family and for Dusty, rest in peace and all that and starting their own company, their own WCW and all that. That was the moment, man. Shout out that the brother moment was a freaking moment and it's still real to me. Damn it.
2: So other honorable mentions here, because nothing else really got more than one vote uh, for second or third place, really. So other moments to note, uh, Roman Reigns announcing his leukemia, which certainly was a moment. Like, we were sitting there shocked. Is this real? Is there is this an angle? Uh, John Moxley making his debut with Double or Nothing. Uh, Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, that was more of an angle, just the fact that it happened. Kenta making his return the way he did. Uh, and Ambrose turning heel the same night. That Roman Reigns announced his leukemia, which you can hate WWE for it, for the way they booked Ambrose, especially after that fact. But in that moment, BC, I think you and I can agree. In our minds, we were like, A, holy shit, this is incredible. That We're back old school Vince McMahon that he would actually do this. And we had such high hopes for an epic all-time feud between Rollins and Ambrose, and they could not have flushed it down the toilet anymore. I'm glad
0: you remembered that moment, though. So let me hit you up with that.
1: Oh man, I'm fired up for this. Moment
0: is really field spot moment of the year. Field spot activation. Now, like, it's some, there's different levels, there's tier field spots, there's a Kofi field spot like that. But in just terms of straight up, holy shit. Seriously, Ambrose turning heel on the night. Is that this calendar year? I would have guessed Wait, that. Wait, that was 2018. That's, that's I was 2018. just gonna say, yeah, hold on. Well, yeah, that 20- was 2018. Alright, well let me tell you the John Moxley moment that we're not hitting up, and we should. <laughs> Seriously, his, <laughs> right, his, his <laughs> reveal, his reveal at Double or Nothing. Was yes. a feel spot moment of the year. That was in an in absolutely insane. You knew, you figured it was coming. You're waiting. And then it happened. The ovation was insane. They paid it off that night perfectly with the brawl on top of the, 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 the poker chips. Very, very well done. Let's not forget that that moment happened.
2: You're right. That, that was the end of 2018 and I actually should have had someone revote that because it shouldn't have counted.
3: You're right. It, here's the thing about the Moxley, like the Moxley doubler or nothing was number three on my list. Just made the list. Um, the thing about the, why it was so special was that AEW, for all intents and purposes, announces that they are, not enough, but they are WWE's competition. So we, they need an established star from WWE to make this work, whether people like it or not. But we, we talked how many times that you can't make the mistake of it being a washed up star or, you know, somebody not ready for the spotlight. When they pluck someone like Moxley, who just had this grand sendoff from WWE and, and all that, all that stuff they did for him on the way out, a guy in his prime reverted back to his old ways. That what that's what made that moment. So perfect. It was like, here's the guy we plucked from WWE, but
2: he's a legitimate top star. Next year. I would be really curious for us to do a worst decision of the year, not a worst moment, like the wild card rule, but something that, we thought was going to go a certain way that didn't, that should have been booked differently. For example, McIntyre should have beat Reigns at WrestleMania. Banks should have beat Becky at this. The way they handled the Ambrose Rollins set, or really the Ambrose send-off from WWE, which they kept putting him over when they, maybe shouldn't have buried him, but probably should have kept him off TV. Uh, You know, all those mistakes that were made from a booking perspective, I think that's an interesting award for 2020 and beyond. We have two big awards left. First match of the year and the award is so big that we have four finalists instead of three kazuchika okada versus will osprey g1 climax day seven walter versus tyler Bate, nxt uk takeover johnny gargano versus adam cole two out of three falls nxt takeover new york and hiroshi tanahashi Against Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Those are your four finalists. And the winner is... BC said earlier in the show, I have never seen a better match live. I've never heard a crowd go crazier for a match, for the action back and forth, for the near falls. People will argue that it got ridiculous at the end. BC and I did argue that weekend that there were so many near falls at the end. It was not believable that Gargano kept kicking out. No, no, no. It was
0: perfectly believable. It was a great-ass story.
1: Great. I
2: I had much greater issues with the three stages of hell match they had or whatever the hell that was called. Uh, but this, by far, I think, was match of the year. I voted in first place. BC voted it first place. Jack, you did not. But before we get to you, BC, why was this your match of the year?
0: Best bouts. This is the Kenny Omega Award for best bouts. And um, I touched on it earlier, but there's a thing that – great art can do, great music, you know, a a scene, a chilling scene in a movie. Certainly pro wrestling can do that. Like, it just does something to your feels. It just does something to your inside, and it, like, freezes you internally. And it just, like, every muscle in your body tenses up. And sometimes it can be quick. It can be a chill spot moment in a movie like I mentioned. Or it can be in a a concert of your favorite band, a jam band, that just gets into a groove and hits a solo. And it's just, like, in that moment – I don't even care if you're dead sober. You're high. You're so freaking high, and you don't think you could get any higher. Or and it's like this art is at its perfection point, that right here, right now, in this moment, there is no place else in the world I would rather be than experiencing this right now. And the last five to seven minutes of this match, maybe even 10 to 15, depending how far back you want to go, was the equivalent of like an extended guitar solo at the end of a long jam that just kept going and getting better and getting better and getting better. And there literally wasn't a moment. Like I said, I didn't think it was gratuitous. They took a chance. They told the line of gratuososity, by the way, just invented that word. And they told that line perfectly. And they told the story that Johnny just would not be denied. And that escalation without ever letting me down. And then the moment and Johnny in the crowd celebrating with that Guy Greg. I mean, when, <laughs> when Dave Meltzer says that's the best match in WWE history and you're like, what, wait, what, what? what? And then you're like, you know what? There's very, 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 very little times that a, the art of pro wrestling has made me feel that way. And that's why I put that match up there with Steamboat Savage from WrestleMania 3 with the first Okada Omega, which is my favorite of that insane four-match group because it was the first time I'd seen something like that, and with very, very few others where it just was the peak of the art form. And you add in that I didn't think they were going to be capable of doing that, and I didn't think those two would be able to hit that high of a note. And in a best two-out-of-three falls match, you're always going up against yourself because there's so many ways for it to feel too long and all that. And it was just this epic piece of something that was so good, that I refuse to rewatch it because I don't think anything will ever top what I watch with my own eyes in really shitty seats inside the Barclays Center from the top of the arena. And it's like I didn't even hear Moro's call of it. I don't want to hear Moro's call of it. The call inside my own brain, the field, my heart pounding was some of the best-ish I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how that wouldn't be the match of the year. It's got to be up there for match of the decade, a match of my lifetime. Okay, it's not better than what I've seen from Omega Nokata, but it's pretty damn close, and that's insane that we are having that conversation.
2: Jack, what about you? You, you did not vote this match of the year, which is fine because your, your choice was incredible. Uh, but what did you think quickly about this match, and then tell us you, what you did vote for match of the year. It had it,
3: it, it had everything we were looking for in the Johnny Gargano story even though the story had to be altered a little bit, like we talked about earlier. I mean, this was still the perfect storybook ending when Gargano finally won that title in New York. I mean, because we all fought. We all stood behind the guy when he fought, and he was the ultimate baby face. and he just that, I I loved it. I did. However, I, I, and I, I even took a few days, I said this on Twitter afterwards after I watched it, and I only watched it once. I haven't watched it since, BC. It's funny. You and I are the same in that regard. Walter versus Tyler Bate is one of the greatest professional wrestling matches I have ever seen in my lifetime. Over 30 years watching wrestling, and you guys you guys have explained. I watched I could I've consumed more pro wrestling than one human should. And I mean this, no joker. That was one of the greatest professional wrestling matches, bell to bell, that I have ever seen in my life. And I had to sit there because I shook myself. I'm like, don't say that. Don't say that. And I sat there and I thought, and I I did, of all the Steamboat Savages, everything that I've watched, I said, holy crap, that was that was the one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And, yes, it sucks that NXT UK isn't taking off the way they had hoped it would. And it's not getting as many eyeballs as they thought they would. And even these take these takeovers, Adam, I think you and I, that, I think that that takeover show, I think you and I said, oh, is that on tonight? Crap. Yeah, but it was awesome. I think we forgot. <laughs> it was ridiculously good. Yeah, I think we forgot that day, though. We're like, oh, there's takeovers tonight. Well, no, because it was 4 o'clock
2: what? in the afternoon, that's
3: why. Well, that's yeah, that's another yeah. thing that throws it off. But no, that, I mean, we we know how talented Tyler Bate is, and people are starting to see how talented Walter is. But that was just the, the underdog story, the David Goliath story that was being told in that match. And every time you thought Tyler was dead, and he came right back to life, and just came right at the monster, and he just kept coming until he couldn't go no more. And even Walter, after the match, he's very good at, even though he's so much bigger than everybody, he's... He's so good at looking almost like Lesnar looks at his smaller opponents like I just escaped that one. Holy crap. He almost that little man almost beat me. It, it, it that's just I know it's subjective but that's how that was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. No, it was,
0: was freaking insane, no, I, was insane it, and I voted at number 4 which shows you what's on the list this year.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. You you were not wrong. I mean, that was my number 2. That was my second place match. Oh, I loved right. it. It's the greatest big little match I've ever seen. There's no question about it. Gargano Cold OBC is right. It's you know top like five matches I've ever seen total, not in person or otherwise, but total, you know, Okada Omega four is probably one. Okada Omega one is probably two. Um, and this is probably three. I mean, I don't really know. There's other, there's other matches that have tugged at the heartstrings or shout
0: out to to Flare HPK, which you were in the building floor. Great.
2: Flare Hbk was incredible. Hbk Undertaker. Both of them were awesome. Austin Hart, uh, I still loved the Iron Man match. That was so unique at the time. It was great. So WWE's done this and NXT has done this, but man, that match, the range of emotions that, like BC said, you go through over the final 10, 15 minutes because you're emotionally invested in it the same way I was in Okada Omega 4. That's why that was special. One was maybe the greatest match in terms of like, Oh my God, I didn't know this was possible. Kind of like you said, but I was so emotionally invested in Omega winning. In number four, that that and the story that they told in number four, that match is still, for me, number one all time. Oh, but this was the greatest match of 2019, and those other three certainly deserved runner-ups. They're
0: pretty crazy that they were able to take the payoff of the Tommaso Ciampa-Gargano story and just slide in coal and still give you the payoff <laughs> of seeing Johnny finally get to the top of the mountain, yet without ruining the potential payoff of how they're going to end that one one day. Perfect. I did want to just mention, we said it before, but Omega and Ace Tanahashi... It didn't get the love it deserved, but if Omega never becomes the Omega he was in Japan again in Bullet Club, and that was really his last dance for a while or ever, um, that's a real-ass dr- dream match. I mean, that's Cena versus Rock of Japan, and they both did it. And if you haven't seen that, please go back and watch that. And one more thing, I'm the AEW guy, yes. I'm the Revolution guy, yes. Good God, Cody Dustin was a top three match this year, and I'll fight anybody who says so. And it's such the opposite kind of match of the year consideration. And But when you tell a story that beautifully, Jack, it gave you the feels. Come on. Cody Dustin was epic storytelling. It was freaking – It's a feel feel spot. It's not a match of the year. Oh, my God. Top to bottom, that
2: journey was insane. No, too much blood, not enough action. Oh, it was just the blood made it. The blood frickin' made it. Oh, no. Not a match of the year. But, uh, but honorable mention also for Ospreay versus Takagi. That was another, that also received a vote that we did not otherwise discuss. And, and there were some good WWE matches too, but the truth is just, none of them really reached this level of these, uh, six that we just mentioned. So, uh, shout outs to all of them, but it was a clear, uh, one, two with Gargano Cole and Walter and Tyler Bate. Okay, folks. The time has come, the 12th and final award here, the 2019 Samson Awards Wrestler of the Year. We have three finalists, Chris Jericho, Adam Cole Bebe, and Will Ospreay, and the winner is... BC, if you told me on January 1st, 2019 that Adam Cole would be our wrestler of the year 12 months later, I would not have believed you, not because Cole's not great, but the the amount of convincing it would have had taken me, taken you to tell me that this guy beat out Kenny Omega, Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, Johnny Gargano, Reigns, uh, Rollins, Rousey, Lynch, whoever you want to put out there. For me to believe that he would have the best year out of all of those names, I don't know that you could have done it. And yet here we are, Adam Cole, 2019 wrestler. I mean, you left out some massive that he could have a better year when AEW stole
0: a lot of the headlines this year, and yet he could beat out in our in our vote Chris Jericho or John Moxley. And then you take in the Japan guys. You take in Becky Lynch, Becky Two Belt, Becky Two Belts. I mean, Daniel Bryan. You talk about hey guys. Bray frickin' Wyatt. You talk about the contenders that Adam Cole was up against. You know what this award is about? We're going to hear from him in a minute, and it's fantastic. You're going to love hearing his voice. But when you consider it's not just him blowing us away with that trilogy. It's not just, you know, could a guy that size, you know, put on these type of matches and compete with these heavyweights on this level. He was helped by NXT getting the close-up that it did from halftime. He to going to USA Network, to being on equal level with Survivor Series, yet you can argue he was the face of all those NXT moments, and he was helping to drive that ship forward. The trilogy alone could make him high up in this award. But like I said, the match he had in that six-man at at halftime of the Super Bowl, the War Games performance he had, The NXT Championship match with Finn Balor that just happened. The match with Seth Rollins on TV and the match with Daniel Bryan on TV. This is an insane calendar year for one man. It's I don't know if it's better than Johnny Gargano's 2018, but it's freaking insane. I voted for him number two, I'm going to be honest with you. When it came down to break it down, Jericho surprised me. Because it wasn't just what Jericho did on AEW, and he did massive, and he's kind of the attraction. Guys, Jericho was in the co-main event of Wrestle Kingdom against Naito, and Jericho main evented Dominion against Okada, and then he did all the AEW jazz. Yet I'm not angry. Jack, Cole was that freaking amazing. Even he's a bit surprised, spoiler alert, that it turned out that way.
3: You said it. When you think about what he was up against to win this award, the names that he was up against, it's insane. But like you said, the trilogy would have been enough to have us consider. If that was the greatest thing he did all year and that was it, we'd still be talking about, ah, you know what, yeah, we should we should put him top five, top six. You know, we still consider Adam. But then he just kept rolling and they just think everything just kept rolling in the survivor series. So he shined against Seth Rollins. He shined. He beat Daniel Bryan for crying out loud, beat the man on television. This is one of the more memorable years that I can remember out of a pro wrestler to like start to finish in a while.
2: And it's not just what happened in the ring too. It's the promos, the storytelling, the vignettes going to Gargano's pizzeria. Um, Everything that he did over the course of the 12 months, just enhance the game further and further and further. Even, like I said earlier, the matches on Raw and SmackDown against Rollins and Daniel Bryan, the fact that we got those and they were as good as we expected, and then closing the year Wednesday against Finn Balor in a 4.5-star match on television. He had two of those this year. It was so far and away for me that he was the best, that it wasn't difficult choosing number one. What was more difficult for me was choosing two and three. And two, I ultimately did land on Chris Jericho, who did finish second for all of us. it's crazy. Cole had no business winning it,
0: yes, he yet he did, and he had this incredible year. Jericho had no business winning it, and yet I voted for him guys, like uh, even if you were told he's going to be the first Aew champion, and obviously you'd assume that he'd be featured a lot. We couldn't have guessed that he would reinvent himself in this manner with Liz Champion and carry the promos at a that level. And then you add in the in-ring work that he did in Japan, and the fact that he, what, main event to double or nothing, the fact that he, like, he was there, he was the wrestler of record at so many big moments this year, and he's like 48 years old. That's insane, guys. That's, I don't, has that ever happened? Is this has to well, be the greatest year for a guy that age, right?
3: Ever. Plus, plus when you lose it, when you lose the title belt at the Longhorn Steakhouse, you are automatically included in the wrestler of the year conversation. <laughs> When you lose a $35,000 championship belt and a Longhorn, come on now. Jericho, it's absurd what he's doing.
2: Well, it's crazy. Co-Main, like you said, Wrestle Kingdom, first ever AEW champion. It is a unique year for a guy like him. And honestly, if Cole didn't have that match with Gargano, the two out of three falls match, that particular match, there may have been an argument for me to put Jericho there. I mean, Cody was on my list, too. He didn't make my top three, but he was up there. But... When you really think about what Jericho has accomplished being the face of that organization doing what he has done, it's not his best in-ring career, uh, in-ring year that he's ever had, but it's insanely impressive. I guess my curiosity is if you couldn't vote for Cole and you couldn't vote for Jericho, who are some of the other names that you think deserve uh, recognition at year's end?
0: Bray Wyatt. I think Bray Wyatt's the number three choice. I think, like it, it, we talked about it already, no need to rehash it, but the impact of that character turn – and the fact that he's the best thing every single week, and the fact that they've made his pay-per-view matches so unique, that what a what a hell of a year. And that's downgrading Daniel Bryan, who turned heel and changed himself and could have made events at WrestleMania against Kofi and really was the backbone, you know, 50% of making that match as great as it was.
2: Yeah, it's Bryan for me. Uh, he, I don't, you can't call him wrestler of the year just because of what the other guys accomplished, right? But... He was comeback of the year a year ago, and had they allowed him to continue on the path it looked like he was heading with Owens, something long-term, where he lost the title and was going to win it back and and didn't suffer from basically what happened in the middle of the summer, then if you think about the end of the year, and you think about the first four months, so the first four and the last two, that's a six months that puts you in that conversation. The problem is that middle six just didn't really stand up to the rest of it.
3: Also, it really got me to think, because I thought about Brian too. What if they didn't pull the reins back on that Roman Ra- <laughs> if they didn't pull back on the Roman Reigns feud like last minute? That's a great call. That, could what, have, if, that what if they could have didn't lifted pull back on that? That could have lifted him for the potential and the setup
0: there. That whole who done it thing, the whole angle. Like yeah. if they really did that right and didn't butcher that, didn't butcher and Bunny and the the. The, the bro ham butcher and the bro – yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Moxley had a great year. He's in that conversation. Cody as well. What a freaking year. But who's the female wrestler here? Is it, is it Becky? It's tough because she had a great year, but it wasn't what it could have been.
2: I think it is ultimately. Um, the first four months kind of just get it done for you. And then the Sasha feud. should have been Sasha that.
0: if they put her over. You're right. It probably should have been
2: Sasha. Well, but we got four months of her, of, of her with Rousey and Flair. Then we got two with her and Banks. And it's still been fine ever since. It's so sad. I, I think when you look at a 12 month total, when you combine it all up and you average it out, she has the best average of anyone
3: out there right now. It really is sad because I think, and maybe the Fiend stuff and the Fiend set stuff kind of overshadows. I think people do forget how good that Hell in a Cell match with Sasha really very, was. Very, very good. I think people good. forget how good that match really was. No question about it. There, uh, we're gonna go right now.
0: We want Adam Cole to tell you about his Wrestler of the Year campaign in 2019. Bebe, he's here. He's ready. Let's do this. It's Adam Cole. Enjoy. Adam Cole. Bay Bay back <laughs> on the horn with CBS Sports and Adam Cole, not just for any kind of conversation, although we have yeah, loved yeah. chatting with you this year ahead of the trilogy with Johnny Gargano, ahead of a lot of big time events. This time it's to announce you as the 2019 CBS Sports Wrestler of the Year. Congratulations, my man.
4: Thank you very much. It's, it's a, uh, it's really cool when you think back on all the, uh, cool stuff that has gone on for me this year and reflecting on all the big matches, all the big moments so then to close it out with something like this being announced the Wrestler of the Year, I mean that's about as cool as it gets.
0: And look, obviously you know the the, the culture and the, and the business at the moment, how hot it is. You're in competition yeah. with the likes of a oh, Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Becky Lynch, John Moxley, Will Ospreay. I mean it has been a wild year across many different promotions, even within WWE obviously with NXT being elevated later this year and getting that that live cable TV close up. Uh is it weird at all even though obviously you got to be a big believer in yourself and it's not that you hadn't had big years in the past but is it crazy for you to not just be shoulder to shoulder with some of those names but to be getting the nod which shows the evolution and growth not only of your career but really of, of where wrestling is this year
4: so truth be told exactly what you said there's a side of me that is like yes of course but but then there's this other side of me that really thinks about everything that has happened and and so much of this is happening so so fast like again the situation where i got thrown into uh, last minute two hours notice having a match with daniel bryan and then being told the day before you have a match with or that day you have a match with seth rollins and then going on to do the crazy war games and then the next day defending against pete dunn like all of that was happening so quick that now to be able to kind of reflect on the year i can't believe it like it's it, to me i was just doing my job And it was really, really awesome that I got to have a lot of these cool matches and a lot of these cool moments. But to be recognized this heavily uh, for having the matches that I've had and the moments that I've had is something I did not expect. And it is incredibly humbling. It's really, really cool for me. Well, look, the NXT brand is
0: so... Obviously, hot is the right word, but I think it's yeah. so incredible that, you know, Johnny Gargano had a 2018, for example, that was insane. You have this 2019 yep. that's absurd. I think you could have and would have won this award from from any major outlet or been in the running, regardless of what happened to NXT this year. But I did want to ask you, the combination of the close-up that you got during the halftime of the Super Bowl with NXT Getting elevated to the USA network, like I mentioned, and getting great mm-hmm. ratings and getting such a, a vibrant push behind it, what role do you think that did play in you really getting the recognition you deserved?
4: Oh, I think it played a huge role. Absolutely. I think th- this move with NXT to USA network is like, like you had said, NXT had like a, a hardcore fan base that people were very supportive of. I think a lot of people who got the WWE network got it to watch NXT. You know, takeovers were hotter than ever. But then finally with that move to to television, to the USA Network, I mean, that for a lot of people who were unsure about checking out NXT or unsure if NXT was truly a third brand for WWE, those doubters were silenced because we're we're on television like everybody else is. So I think that was vital. And then seeing NXT as the brand not change. I mean, yeah, we got moved and we're in a more high-pressure situation. It's two hours live every week on USA. But NXT, the show is the exact same. It's about bell-to-bell pro wrestling. Um, So, yeah, it's been really cool to be a part of that, see the brand grow. I certainly have noticed the exposure has been a lot bigger now with, with live television, so I think that's very, very huge. And I think that did start with halftime heat, you're right. And
0: Obviously, that carried through the Survivor Series build, the invasion, and all that good stuff. I want to know, though, what really was your mindset coming into this year? You had a great 2018. You were NXT North American champion. You had a match of the year contender with that epic ladder match at WrestleMania weekend. Where did you think this year was going to take you?
4: I'll tell you what. My goal, and this is honest to God the truth, it, it was ever since I started in NXT, and I, and I remember... Uh, jumping through McIntyre and looking at the NXT championship. And then I kind of got derailed. I went and I'm very proud that I was the first ever NXT North American champion. But I, I remember coming into 2019 saying, I got to become the NXT champion this year. I have to. If I don't this year, I'm never going to do it. I need to. So I, I just fortunately, I got put into situations um, where I was able to challenge for that. Like, even the, the crazy thing is to know where, where things were going or how crazy pro wrestling can change all the time. You know, when I wrestled Johnny in that in that first uh, match of our trilogy, the two out of three falls match, that wasn't even supposed to be me. That was supposed to be Tommaso. And then Tommaso obviously got injured and needed to get his neck surgery. Uh, so the fact that I was filled in so last minute, and that started this epic trilogy that people loved so much, is so, is so, so insane to me. Uh, so did, did I think that's where it was going to go? No, I wasn't sure. But I knew that I wanted to someday at that point during the year, become the NXT champion, and I did. Uh, and then all this other crazy, awesome stuff happened to come along with it. So,
0: you talk about that opportunity, and that was a, a massive one. You would have never wished an injury on Tommaso Ciampa, and of I'm sure the, fin- not. the fans nope. at that moment didn't want to see that fe- that story that they were telling yep. get any kind of pause on it. But you were in an in an insane role where you come in there, and in somehow, some way. You and Johnny elevated that. We thought we were getting chapter four in their rivalry and you guys produced the first fight of a trilogy, the match of the year. You know, Dave Meltzer saying the best match in WWE history, all that great stuff. How much for you has it been the idea of just stay ready? You never know when that call is going to come, but be ready for those type of moments.
4: Oh, absolutely. You, you, you hear people who, who have done it. And people who are in, in uh, great situations in their career, whether it's in the ring or backstage, they always say, hey, make sure you stay ready. That's the number one thing. And then I really finally felt what that feels like this year, uh, because, again, being in a situation constantly where you never know when you're going to get thrown in. That, the one with Johnny, that, you know, again, that first match with Johnny where I got thrown into this major WrestleMania weekend main event uh, fairly last minute to – the Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown, which was literally I had an hour and a half to get on a plane, and then I show up to the building <laughs> and have to immediately my, – my gear is already on, and I have 45 minutes before I go to the ring. I mean, that's the epitome of stay ready. So it, it's so funny because that, that mindset that you just said all through 2019 has absolutely been stay ready. I've stayed ready, and it has paid off for me.
0: All right, take me on the inside here. This is what the fans friggin' love. You have this trilogy <laughs> with Johnny. It's historic. I mean, it's legitimate, one of those, like, okay, let, let, let's clear out room on the shelf next to a uh, good old uh, uh, Steamboat and flare, and and, and make some room for a new all-time great rivalry. Do you and Johnny shoot a few texts like, hey, buddy, we got them this year? Do you go back and watch the matches over again? What's that like now that it's over and it accomplished something that, that you know, like I said, very few people have been able to get to.
4: Sure, sure. So uh, me and Johnny, I've known Johnny for 10 years, uh, long before NXT. And I actually, I've only wrestled him a handful of times uh, before we have ever wrestled in NXT. And I, I remember saying when I got to NXT or or just hearing uh, people mention, oh, when, when they eventually do the Adam Cole-Johnny Gargano match, that's going to be the money. I remember hearing people say that. And then it's just it never, we had never touched, we'd never crossed paths until that moment where it eventually happened. And I remember me and him both had that mentality of like, okay, here's our chance to show everybody that this match could be something special. And then we had that first match that we had that everybody just adored. And they decided to stick it through and keep, I, re- I remember going into match two, me personally being like, oh my God, how are we going to top the the first one? People loved the first one so much. And then a lot of people, my my favorite part of the trilogy to me, everyone has their opinions on one, two, and three. But there are some people that are like, oh, my God, two was my favorite, or three was my favorite, or no, one is definitely the best one. And I love that. I love that people have all those different varying opinions on it. But now that it's all said and done, absolutely. I know I'm incredibly proud of it. I know Johnny's incredibly proud of it. And uh, it's cool. I'm really, really happy we finally got the chance to do that and show the world what what me and him can do.
0: All right. In closing here, Adam Cole, it's been one hell of a year. And, and I, you know, I don't say it lightly mentioning those other names. You're getting the nod over some of these 12-month campaigns that these people have had around the world. I mean, what a time yeah. to be a pro wrestler. How do you top this when you look ahead to 2020? We know NXT is on the level of Raw and SmackDown, but what are your true mm-hmm. goals for this upcoming calendar year?
4: Well, I'll tell you, because when you say that, how do you top this, um, That's that's a question that – oftentimes me and a lot of other people in NXT, we battle with, how do we top it? And so, and somehow, some way we always do. So, so going into 2020, after this great year that we had, I love this feeling that I have right now. It's a feeling of accomplishment. It's a feeling of, of motivation and dedication to being even better, to growing even more, to making NXT even bigger, to making Adam Cole even bigger and, I don't have a like exact answer for you, but somehow, some way, it is going to be better next year. We're going to figure out more stories to tell. I'm going to find better matches to have. There are just so many different things and so many different catalysts. Because like you said, pro wrestling right now is insane. It, it is so, so cool and so exciting on so many levels in so many different places. I'm happy I get to be a part of it. And this ride that we're all on is just getting started. Certainly, it's just getting started for me. And I can't wait for 2020 to be an even better year than 2019. Well, I, have
0: to, I do have to throw in there the work you've been doing with good old Finn Balor. If that is any kind of preview of 2020 is going to give us, it's going to be a great year. But congratulations once yes, again, sir. Adam Cole. Heck of a year. Some matches we will never forget. Much, much deserved. Great chatting with you.
4: Thank you very much. Great chatting with you, too.
0: Alright, special thanks to Adam Cole. What a frickin' year. Wow. And to, and to hear him so humble, he didn't ex- you know, he, he wouldn't expect it to. He wanted to finish the year as NXT champion. He never would have guessed that. And guys, like, like he said, it's staying ready. It's, it's all the old timers always tell him. You know, stay ready for your moment. When he got the call to replace Champa, he was ready. When he got the call to save SmackDown and go in there against Dan O'Brien, he was ready. When he got the call for halftime, he, he's ready. When he gets the call that we're going to USA Network, he's ready. It's, 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 there's some inspiration there. It's a heck of a heck. I love it. I love me some Adam Cole after talking to him. You love him even more. I did want to close and give the Mount Rushmore guys their shine. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Tristan Atiliano. I very much gave the pronunciation in Adam Silver King style. We're talking about Adam X Parsons. We are talking about Omar Al Rashid. We would be talking about the great Bob Backlund at TalkBox, but he has resigned from Twitter. Twitter got a little bit too real for him. So Tristan subbed in. Acting fifth member, Black Sabre Jr. Adam, they did their year end. They didn't, they just did the major categories. They just wanted us to let us know what they're feeling. Here's your Mount Rushmore awards. Match of the year, Gargano Cole from NXT TakeOver New York. They nailed it. Worst match of the year, Fiend Seth Rollins from Hell in a Cell. uh, Mm, I don't agree uh, with that. Show of the Year, NXT Takeover, NYC. All right, that's what they liked. Female Wrestler of the Year, Becky Lynch. Male Wrestler of the Year, Adam Cole. Overall Wrestler of the Year, Adam Cole. Tristan says, thanks, man. Take care. Happy holidays to all you and your families. Thank you to the listeners, by the way, as always. So...
2: So we've either nailed the awards or we've brainwashed a populace of people. So one, one way or another, it's good. Uh, promotion of the year, AEW. Promoter of the
0: year, Tony Khan. Very well done there as well. That's, that's the State of Combat Awards. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, thank you <laughs> to the listeners uh for being there for Espe- us.
2: Especially when you know it's NXT and Paul Levesque, Uh so Yeah. So. That,
0: look, the MVP of the year is Paul Levesque. And Paul, we trust. Thank you. Ring of Honor and Kerry Silken. Yeah, please. Can I get another <laughs> email about that? Uh, all right. That's it. That's it. The show's over. 2019 is over. Guys, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy holiday Festivus. Wherever you're going with this, celebrate it with your family. Enjoy. Take a load off, Fanny. All right? Take a load for free. Um, I don't know when you're going to be hearing me again. I don't really like pro pro wrestling anymore, but we had a great run on this show. 2019 was great. I got a lot back, a lot of backlog to get through. I might watch TLC. Maybe I'll F around and watch May Young Classic Part 2. Adam's still on me about that. Um, watch it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, we might, we might come back next year with more wrestling. Maybe a pay per view rewind, maybe something like that. Hey, shout out to you, gentlemen, Jack Crosby. All right? New co- State of Combat Newcomer of the Year. All right? There you go. All right. There you go, Blackjack Crosby, the new member of the Three Horsemen. All right. For the Silver King, for BC, for Gentleman Jack, for all of you, thank you for listening to the State of Combat. Thank you for, for making this what it is. Happy holidays to you. Two words, as always, for you. We out.